The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, let's take our Bibles, if you would please, and open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this evening, I I thought maybe I might take you a little bit by surprise. I'm going to go away from our study in the Holy Spirit for this week. And I want to talk to you uh, tonight about cheerful giving. And I thought I would do this to kind of go along with the budget talks that we want to have tonight or budget vote that we want to have this evening. And I really wasn't, didn't want to preach the sermon that I intended either because it's a little bit longer and I was trying to get pioneer classes out and all the things that we have to do. So we're going to try to move things along a little bit here and and I want to switch the subjects up on you and talk to you tonight about cheerful giving. Now in our in our earlier meeting that we had about 10 years ago, not 10 years, 10 days ago rather, on on uh, on this budget and we had one 10 years ago too, but that's not the one I want to talk about. But we had one about 10 days ago, and I told everybody then that what we have is a, an ambitious budget for this year. It's going to require the cooperation of all the members that we have in the church, and everyone has to give an account of what God has given to us, and we need to give back accordingly. And we need to take the responsibilities that we have as God's people to support the work that we have here. And so uh, I, I thought that this would be a message that will we'll help you as we consider that. And uh, as I said in the message this morning, giving to God is a matter of trusting God. Either you trust him or you don't. It, it just comes down to simply that. Either you trust him or you don't. Now, I may be talking to entirely the wrong crowd this evening. I, most, of, I, most of you may give everything that you're supposed to give. I don't know. But just in case, something that will encourage us all, I think, we're going to take a look here in the Word of God and in this passage of 2 Corinthians, and we'll be here for just a few minutes, and then we're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to look at an example there where God asked for giving, and God provided everything that he asked to be given. Everything was providentially supplied by God. Now, if you look in this passage, the, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and this church, as we know, was the poster child for problems. If you can think of a problem that a church had or a church has today, chances are the Corinthian church had that problem. A lot of things that were going on in the church. Immaturity, immorality, there was confusion about things, there was confusion about church work, about responsibilities, about doctrine. All of those things were going on in this Corinthian church. So Paul wrote 1 Corinthians to correct many of the problems But the church didn't make all the corrections that needed to be made. And in fact, they became resentful of some of the things that Paul said. And so Paul wrote the second letter to the Corinthians. And in that, he he defended his apostleship. He went deeper into doctrinal matters. So that we see 1 Corinthians deals mostly with practical issues some doctrinal issues, of course, but there are practical issues there. And then when you get into 2 Corinthians, you really get down into some doctrine. So we look at this chapter, and this is a chapter where the subject is giving, 
And if we were to look at the entire chapter, we could just spend a lot of time right here and we could go down deep and we could look at some things that are, that are in this particular chapter, but I don't have time to do all of that tonight. So I'm going to shorten up the remarks somewhat and not try to keep it too long. So if you look at verse number 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number, number 6, and I need to get in 2 Corinthians. I don't want to read from 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6. But this I say... He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, I want you to notice particularly these words at the end of verse number 7. God loveth a cheerful giver. And then in the 8th verse, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Now, let's take that word grace and let's make that the first part of the discussion. Let's talk about the grace of giving. Now, do you understand how grace enters the picture when we talk about giving? When we say the word grace, we we just automatically know that God is involved, that God is a God of grace. And when we think of things in the grace of God, we think of things that not that we earn for ourselves, not that we bring to the table ourselves, but things that God gives, that God supplies it all. We think about God's salvation. And God has given everything that we need for our salvation. God provided us a Savior. There's not anything that we can do in order to earn our salvation. So God saw nothing good in us. There's nothing that he could accept in us for righteousness. And so he supplied the righteousness that we need through the perfect life of Jesus Christ. So you you know, we've been over this many times when we talk about justification, that this is what Christ did. He earned the righteousness that we need in order to be pleasing to God. We don't do that ourselves. So when you talk about righteousness, God asked for it. He says you must be righteous. But God is also the one that supplies our righteousness. That's the God of grace. He gives us our righteousness. He supplies. So if God is a God of grace, and we do understand that, and Paul here has talked about the grace of giving, then why would any of us ever be anything less than cheerful givers? If God is a God of grace and God supplies everything that we need, nothing that we have is supplied for us, then why can't we be cheerful givers? Now, everything's given by God, and it's not as if when we give to him that everything is used up, that we're never going to see it anymore, that we're never going to be supplied any longer. No, God is always supplying our needs. This is a thought in the 8th chapter when Paul commended the churches of Macedonia, and he talked about their liberality in giving. And and I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a few minutes. But the Macedonian churches gave out of their poverty, and they gave liberally. Paul even said in the 8th chapter that they gave beyond their power. Well, how do you give beyond your power? I mean, you either have it or you don't. How can you give beyond your power? Well, I think the only way that you can is that you, you have to give in the way that the widow of Zarephath gave to Elijah, that she turned everything over to Elijah. She gave him everything she had, and you know the story, that when she went back to her barrel of meal, when she went back to her cruise of oil... 
There was always something there. God supplied it for her. And it wasn't as if she gave it to Elijah and she was never going to give it back. God gave it back to her and more supplies in addition to that. Now, I think about over 40 years of ministry that I've been in, and I think about how God has blessed me in giving. I've never really wanted for anything. I've never turned over my tithe check or given anything to the church that I thought, well, I'm just never going to get that back. I'm never going to be able to replace what I've given, so how can I give I can't give this much or I can't give again as if God is not going to give back to me. And that's because I do understand God is the one that supplies. And if you trust him, you'll never have a problem giving your tithes and offerings cheerfully. I remember when I uh, had finished preaching the Sunday morning sermon a couple of weeks ago and that message that we had about giving, and I had someone come to me at the door and said, I cannot afford to tithe and said, I have to pay this, and I have to pay this, and I have to pay this and this. And my question is, how do you pay this and this and this? Where does that come from? How do you pay that? Now, I want you to keep that thought in mind, and let's turn to the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 25. And in this part of the scriptures, Moses and the children of Israel are in the desert, and God has given Moses the plan for the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was really just an ambitious undertaking because the materials that were used in it were very costly. And the costliness and the ordinateness of the things that God asked for spoke about the glory of God. Well, there was a plan for the finance of the tabernacle, and and God didn't just open up the heavens and shower down all the things that they needed, but God told Moses, you go to the people and you take an offering from them. So God didn't shower down the precious stones, not the gold, not the silver, not the beautiful tapestries that were used. God had a plan for finance. And you know what it is? Well, that's point number two in your outline, the gifts of the people. This is how God planned to finance the tabernacle from the gifts of the people. So Moses was to take an offering from them and they were to give willingly and generously. Now in verse 2 in chapter 25, God told Moses, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take an offering. So the provisions for the tabernacle are to come from the people. Now I think you could see that that presented a problem. Or at least it could have been a problem if God had not already thought the thing through. Now one thing you have to know about God, surely you know this, that God never has half a plan. God never approaches anything at the last minute. He never has to make any kind of hasty arrangements because things have suddenly gone wrong. And there are some people that think like that. They think that that's the way that God is with salvation. God created the world and suddenly things went terribly wrong. And so God hastily devised a plan that he could fix what was wrong. And so when Adam fell, God saw that and he said, well, how did that happen? I wasn't expecting that to happen. What am I going to do now? Well, we know that's not true because the Bible tells us that there was a Savior plan from the foundation of the world. So there wasn't anything that surprised God. And God is such a plan of plan and purpose, or such a God of plan and purpose, that every detail is worked out. So he will not ask for something that he's not going to provide. And so he had a plan to finance the tabernacle. And if he hadn't provided for it, they wouldn't have had it. Now I want you to notice, first of all, the ability in given, the ability that they have. 
Now, it was just a few months before this that Israel was in bondage in Egypt. And not for a little time. They had been slaves for over 200 years. So how much wealth do you think a ragtag bunch of slaves would accumulate? Anybody ever heard of wealthy slaves? Is that something common, wealthy slaves? But the people of Israel were slaves, and and they weren't any different than any other slaves. They had no wealth. So where are they going to get all the provisions to pay for the things or contribute to the tabernacle? God said, take an offering. And what did he ask for? Well, he asked for these things. He asked for gold and brass, silver, fine linens, special dyes, spices, and oils. How could God ask for that? These are people that have been slaves. They couldn't have those kind of resources. Or could they? Was God prepared for what he was going to ask them? Remember, God has a plan. Turn back a few pages in your Bible to Exodus chapter 3, and we look at verse number 20. And this is when God first told Moses in the burning bush that he had been chosen to deliver Israel, and he told Moses how he would do this. So Exodus chapter 3, verse number 20, God says, And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor, and her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Now God's telling Moses, the Egyptians are going to be so glad to get rid of you. After all these plagues have come on, come on them, they're going to be so glad that you're leaving them that they're going to give you everything that you need. Now we go to chapter 12. Let's see what happens. Chapter 12, verse number 35. Exodus 12, verse 35. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of gold, and jewels, or jewels of silver, and jewels of gold, and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. So God had a plan. God already knew that the tabernacle would be built. He knew that an offering was needed. And so he already had this worked out far in advance that the Israelites would have every material they needed for the tabernacle. Now, I almost wish, maybe you do too, that I could stop right here. And I'd just say, now you figure the rest of that out. I mean, it's pretty plain, isn't it? We, we see what God did. We see how God supplies. We see how God prepares. So... We can just stop right here. We don't need to go any further. It's so clear. But you already know I'm not going to do that, so I'm going to keep on preaching. We're going to talk about it some more. So how do we apply the lesson that's given? Well, who do you think it is that gives you the ability to have every nickel that you have? Who do you think it is that knows every need that you will ever have? Who do you think it is that when he asks for something, he knows exactly how much your check is, your paycheck is? Who do you think it is that knows exactly how many bills that you have to pay and how much money you have left over at the end of the month or what you start with or anything else? Who knows all of that? God knows all of that. And not coincidentally, God said those very same words to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 8. He said, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. 
So who is it that knows the ability that you have to give? God does. Because God gave you everything that you have. And so would you brazenly stand, brazenly stand back and say, Oh, I can't afford to tithe. You can't say that because God commanded it and God's going to provide it. So are you going to say, well, I don't know how I'm going to replace this money. I've got bills to pay. I don't think that I can do that. Do you think God doesn't already know that? Do you think that God is not the one that put everything into Israel's pockets that they needed in order to give? And so when he called for an offering, they could give because God had already given them the money. Now, I look over our budget and I wonder, well, what's wrong with us? And and I've told you, I don't know how much anybody gives. I did ask Brother Moline, our uh, faithful financial secretary from last year and years before, and I said, give me a list of what everybody gives. But I didn't ask for the names. I told you that before. I don't know what anybody gives. I just got the amounts. And as I said this morning, when I multiply out some of those amounts, then what people say that they make just doesn't make sense because they couldn't possibly live here. And so I know they're holding back on the Lord. They're not really giving a tithe and an offering. But there's something that all of us need to remember. Folks, God has a tabernacle to build. He has a tabernacle to build. And we have the ability to build it because God has given us the resources to do it. So let's talk about that next, that we really need the right attitude in giving. What is the attitude in giving? Giving. Well, God told Moses in verse 2, tell the people to bring an offering and when they come to bring it willingly. Now, do you think that they would have given willingly, given willingly if, they, if they thought like Christians, many, many in our church do? Well, if we give, we're just not going to get it back. I think that would have been the reasonable thing to say, don't you? I mean, they had spoiled the Egyptians and they, they had got the things that they needed for the tabernacle. And so they have to be thinking... If we give all of this to God, if we give everything in the tabernacle for the tabernacle to him, how are we ever going to get back those things that we just gave? We never had anything like that before. How can we get it back? How can we have the resources again? Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's go to chapter 35, and let's first of all look at the attitude that they have about giving. Chapter 35, and we look at verse number 20. Exodus 35, verse number 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold and everything. Every man that offered offering offered an offering of gold unto the Lord, and every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. Everyone that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering, and every man with whom was found shittim wood for any work of the service brought it. All and all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun, both of blue and purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. And the rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. 
The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Listen to verse 21 again. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whom his spirit made willing. Their hearts were stirred up. What happens when you get stirred up about something? Anybody ever bought a new car? You ever get excited about buying a new car? You know, you you go down to the dealer and and you you want a car and you walk in there and you smell the smell, the new car smell. That's hard to resist, folks, isn't it? That's really hard to resist. So you go into the dealership and you get stirred up that you want a new car. And so you can come up with a hundred excuses why you need a new car. What about when you're dating? Remember when you were dating? I remember when I was dating my wife, I couldn't wait to go see her. I'd spend money on her. I didn't care how much money it was. I'd spend money on her. I'd take her to the finest places. So we'd pull up through the drive-thru, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter to me if she wanted a plain hamburger. I mean, she was going to get a Big Mac and the extra fries, and she'd get the milkshake and all of those things because I was stirred up when I saw her. Now, you think about what this church could do in giving to the Lord if we got stirred up. Missionaries? No problem. We can take care of missionaries. We can give them what they need. Building improvements? Not a problem. We can take care of that. A new heating system for our kids over in the Sunday school? Why, that's not even a thing to give a second thought about. We're stirred up, and we're going to do what needs to be done. And that's what happens when when people love the Lord. They get stirred up. Now, do you think that the the children of Israel wanted to hold on to the things that they had? Do you think they were thinking, what's mine is mine and you can't have it? No. They came willingly because they were stirred up. You know why they were stirred up? Because God was coming down to them. They were going to build a tabernacle and God was going to dwell with them. God was coming down to them. They got stirred up. And do you realize this, folks, that Jesus is tabernacled with us right now? When we talk about the word tabernacle, it tells us in the word of God in John 1.14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that word, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, dwelt, that's the very same word as tabernacled. And Jesus came and tabernacled with us, and he's with us now, today, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you can't get stirred up about God being here, you can't get stirred up. God is here with us. And so we wonder, why? Why doesn't God's work have the priority with it? With us? Why do we give grudgingly? Why do we only give when it gets just right down to the bare necessities? What do we read in the beginning? Every man according as it purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And maybe the problem is that some of the cheer has gone out of some of you. Well, let me tell you something about their giving. I've talked about tithing. We're not even talking about the tithe here. This is not their tithe that we're talking about. This is, this is a special offering that God asked for. They were willing to give their tithes to God. God told them they needed that. This is a special offering they're giving out of their abundance. God had given them abundance. Now let's talk about that finally. The abundance in giving. 
Now, going back to 2 Corinthians, and you can stay where you are right now in Exodus. I'm coming back in just a moment. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul spoke of the churches of Macedonia, and he commented about their willingness to give. And so he said in the 8th chapter, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or we want you to know, about the grace of God bestowed in the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear them record and beyond their power they were willing of themselves now Paul says these are people that were in deep poverty and they gave that tells me they're not hoarding hoarding it up in 401ks or in IRAs and CDs and in savings accounts none of those things are bad and I'm not saying any of those things are bad but why does God's work suffer when we cannot give out of our abundance and there is no joy in what we give or maybe we just don't have enough joy so we don't give maybe it's because our hearts have not really been stirred up about what God is doing see there, there was a tabernacle to build and they did it with the right attitude God will dwell with us so let's give liberally and let's honor his name Now, in our text in 2 Corinthians, Paul said in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So when you give to God, he will give back to you, and he'll make sure, according to his word, that you have sufficiency in all things. And so when our church needs something, then he will supply that need. He'll make sure there is the sufficiency. Now, you can't outgive God. I hope you know it. You can't outgive God. Try it sometime. See what happens. And if you did, I think that we'd have to do what Moses did. We'd have to cut the offerings off because we'd have more than we can give. Do you know what that's happened? That, that's what happened? In, in the building of the tabernacle, they were bringing so many offerings, just so much stuff, that they finally had to stop the giving. This is in the 35th chapter, or 36th chapter. So you're in 35, look in 36, verse number 5. Exodus 36, verse 5. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and too much. When was the last time that you heard a Baptist preacher say, Stop giving, we've got too much. When? I think the last time was 3,500 years ago when Brother Moses, the Baptist, said, Stop giving, we've got too much. Now tonight, we're going to vote on a new budget. And to make the budget work, it takes everybody to purpose in his heart to give. We're going to need an attitude of cheerful giving. We're, we're going to need folks that, that are abundant in their giving. Now, the money is here. I, I believe the money is here. And, and, and if we have faith, that money is going to be given. But I promise you this, if we do take in too much, I, I'm not going to say stop giving. I won't say that because, as you know and I know, our missionaries could use a lot more money. There's a lot more things that could be done even in our own community as we work with people if we just had more resources to do it. So we can do more. And we must give more. We, more. we must give God what he asks. Now, do you know what, when the people gave, 
these people gave out there in the wilderness. We talked about that a moment ago, that they would give it. How are they going to get it back? They did get it back. Did you know that? The children of Israel got this back. Now, through trials and tribulations, they went through the wilderness. They got to the promised land. And when those Canaanite cities started falling one by one, do you know what Israel got? They got the spoils of war. First thing they did was they dedicated, as God said, everything in the city of Jericho to God. And they weren't to touch any of that. God got the first fruits. That's a good lesson for you. God got the first fruits. Now, you know somebody disobeyed. That was Achan. We won't go into his story. But that's what they were supposed to do. Give God the first fruits. Then after that, God said, it's yours. As the cities fell and as they gathered up the booty, so to speak, as they gathered up all the spoils of war, God said, it's yours. And they got back everything and more than they gave. You just can't get out out give God. It's just not going to happen. I don't promise you that God is going to give you riches. I'm not a prosperity preacher that says, you know, sow the seed and uh, lay out the money there and you can just expect it all to shower down in heaven for you. I don't promise that. But I promise you that God will take care of you. I promise that you will be content with you what you have. I promise that you will not go hungry because God's word says that's what will happen to you. You'll be satisfied when you put your faith in God. Now, let me close with these words of a great old hymn. I just love the words of this song. It says, When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth, and giveth again. Fear not that they need that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father both thee and thy load will upbear. His love has no limits, his grace has no measure, his power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Don't worry about what God gives. Worry about what you give. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great story that we have in your scriptures. We we thank you, Lord, for the provision that you make for us. We thank you for your grace. Just as we receive grace in our salvation, that the righteousness that we need from Jesus Christ to to be right in the eyes of God, you also give grace to supply everything in our lives. We only need to depend upon you. Lord, we know we have the resources. We know that you supply us with everything that we have. Just give us the faith that we need to give what you require. And Lord, we thank you for this. We give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.